what a great day to learn about your destiny. The Bible tells us to surround ourselves with good, godly people who encourage us and help us keep holding on when times are tough. One thing we all tend to do is look for a quick answer, and when we don't get it, we quit. We quit praying, we quit believing, quit having faith. But all things happen in God's time, and it's important to keep holding on until something happens. Pastor gives us a great word today on keeping the faith. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. So we stay in the fight. We don't drop out of the race. And we keep the faith. Now, in, in ancient Greece, they had the Olympics. And we have many of the events that they had still in the Olympics today. But there is one event that did not make the cut, or it, made, it got cut, and it's not there. And it was the torch race. Now, what happened with the torch race, like a marathon, it was a distance race. But the person who crossed the finish line first was not necessarily the winner. At the starting line, each contestant is given a torch. And they had to run, but they could only run as fast as they could and keep the torch lit. If the torch, for any reason, died, it didn't matter how fast you finished. To win, you had to cross the finish line with your torch still lit. And in some ways, I think that's a good analogy of the Christian life. You know, we need to cross the finish line with the torch of passion for God, passion for his kingdom, passion for souls still burning on the inside of us. Now, as you grow in your Christian life, you, know, you, you really do, you, 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 you live life on levels and, and you, you arrive in stages. Um, Dan, excuse me, David's a great example. He, he, he starts out as a shepherd, then he becomes a leader in the army. Then he literally lives a period of time where he's a renegade, running from King Saul. Then he arrives at a new level and becomes king of Judah. And then seven and a half years later, he becomes king of all of Israel. And I think it's really great. The Bible says when the Philistines heard that he became king of all of Israel, they came to fight. They came to make war against him. You know, we sometimes think, well, we're going to get to a certain spot and things are going to get easy. Listen, new level equals new devil. You know, when, when you go up in, 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 in influence, when you go to a new stage, you literally, you come to a place of a new attack. Uh, I want to talk to you for a moment about how associations affect our destiny. It's in Proverbs 6.23 that it says this, the commandment is a lamp, the law is a light. And the reproofs of instruction are the way of life to keep you from. And it mentions here particularly the evil woman. How many of you know there's just as many evil men? Right. There, there are people that are going to have a good influence on you. There's people that are going to have a bad influence. Proverbs said, he who walks with wise men will be wise. A companion of fools will be destroyed or their life will begin to unravel. Why? Because of your associations, because of your companions. 1 Corinthians 15 says, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals or good habits. And, and literally, listen, when the devil wants to mess you up, one of his premier strategies is to send somebody into your life to mess you up, to bring compromise. And when God wants to bless you, one of the things that God does is he brings a person into your life to encourage you, to strengthen you, and to help you. 
whether it's a blessing or a curse, it comes wrapped in skin. All right? You know, access to your life is really a tremendous gift that you give to people. Right? People can help you fulfill your destiny, encourage you, challenge you, help build you up, encourage you to live a godly life. Right? Or they can hinder you from your destiny. They can be the type of person where anything goes. They're undisciplined. They, they, they're lax. They introduce compromise into your, your life. They, they question the things that God speaks to you. I think it's really interesting that when God spoke to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12, uh, in fact, Genesis 12, 2 and 3 are the most important two verses in the entire Old Testament. Some people say in the entire Bible, but definitely the entire Old Testament. But this is the verse that precedes it. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country, your family, away from your father's house, to a land I will show you. So he gets the instruction, leave your family and go. He brings his family and leaves. He kind of like, he took half of it. He brought his father along. He brought his nephew, Lot, and his household along. And Lot introduces compromise and strife, wrong priorities. Lot brings all sorts of bad stuff, right? So after a while, finally, Abraham gets the message, and he separates from Lot. His father has died. He separates from Lot. And the Bible says this, And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had departed from him, lift up your eyes now and look to the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward. He says, for all the land you see, I will give to you and to your descendants forever. And literally what happens, as soon as Abraham separates from Lot, God begins to speak to him about his destiny again, about his purpose again. But as long as Lot's there, God, the, the, he, he, he literally, the, there is something that's keeping him from God's purpose and God's destiny. As soon as he separates, he reconnects. Look at later in the chapter, it says, and he built an altar there to the Lord. It had been a while since he'd built an altar. And an altar was a place of dedication, of consecration, of commitment. It was a place of enrichment of your faith. And when did it happen? Once he separated from Lot. Right? You know, there may be people in your life, you want to help them, right? You want to see them change, right? But here's the problem. They don't want to change. They don't want help. They're so dysfunctional, they should have been on a Jerry Springer show, you know, back when that thing was going on, right? They're just into low-level relationships, no accountability, no challenges. They're moving in a different direction. They bring compromise, worldliness, that anything goes, attitude and way of living. And what we need to do is we need to get out. You know, to be in right relationship with somebody, you, they have to have a spiritual vision of who God has called you to be. They have to in some way grab hold of that. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. We don't look at their, at their past, at their problems. We don't look at their, at their family. We don't look at their education. The Bible says none of that matters. He says you don't look at them according to the flesh. And then the next verse says that if anyone is in Christ, you are a new creature, a new creation. Old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know, you, you do not need people in your life that are going to criticize the thing God has called you to do, 
that are going to bring compromise, bad priorities. You know, when opinions, other people's opinions come in, God's vision for your life tends to go out. You remember Jonah, he's running from God, he gets on a boat, and when he gets on a boat, problems show up for everybody on the boat. And you can get a Jonah in your life, and the problems that they bring into your life are not worth having them on the boat. Right? And like Jonah, those people tend to not care where they're going. Oh, Jonah had one thing in mind, going the opposite direction of where God called him to go. He didn't care where he was going as long as he wasn't going in the right direction. Right? You can't help people that don't want help. And remember, when Satan wants to confuse your life, take you in the wrong direction, he brings skin. He brings a person. Right? That is one of his premier strategies. Right? And we need to be sure to notice. Right? To be great, we really do need to, we need to connect ourselves to greatness. You know, if you're running around with a bunch of fools and they think you're cool, it doesn't count. It just doesn't count, all right? You got Jonah on your boat, you know, they're negative, they're doing nothing, believing nothing, right? They're not encouraging you, they're discouraging you, they're bringing compromise into your life. You need to get out and get out as fast as you can. Now, don't limit God. Ephesians 3.20 says this, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. How many of you have got a pretty good imagination? The Bible says he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you and I can ever ask or think. When God puts something in your heart, it is bigger than you. It will keep you awake, right? And the thing about a dream, I think dreams are like children, right? When you have a young child, how many of you know you need to protect them, you need to feed them, you need to encourage them, you need to pray about them, right? You need to motivate them. There are all things that you need to do, right? And the same thing is true with a dream, particularly when a dream is young. It needs to be protected, it needs to be fed, it needs to be encouraged, you need to pray about it, you need people to help you motivate, right? And listen, as long as you got a dream, as long as you have a dream in your heart, you are not old, right? When all you do is look at the past and the good old days, you're old. But as long as you've got a dream about the future, God's plan, God's destiny, God's promised land for you, see, you're alive. You don't want to be a museum keeper just looking back. You want to be a pioneer taking new ground and looking forward. When Joseph was 17 years old, God gave him a dream. It was about his future. And in this dream, he sees a field that's been harvested, and there's sheaves of wheat, and one is his sheaf, and then all of his brother's sheaves come and bow down to his sheaves. And by the way, when he shared that with his brothers, they were not happy. You know, sometimes God shows you something, you better keep your mouth shut for a while. Right? But here's what I thought was interesting, that the dream that God gave him had to do with harvest. And I believe that this is true, that when God puts a dream in our heart, and listen, if you do not have a dream, you need to ask God because he will give you one. He will give you. The Bible says he gives you the desires of your heart. He will put that destiny, that dream inside of your heart. Right? But his, Joseph's dream 
had to do with harvest. And every dream, I believe, that comes from God has to do with kingdom harvest. You may say, well, I want to be in, in business. Yeah, but part of that ought to be because I want to show people how a Christian runs a business. You say, but I want to be a great athlete. Yeah, but it's because you want to use your influence for the kingdom of God. You say, yeah, but I want to make a lot of money. That's great, but you need to use some of it to finance the kingdom of God. We're blessed to be a blessing. The dream that God puts in our heart always in some way is connected to the kingdom of God and kingdom of God harvest. Now, in Luke chapter 8, Jesus is talking to his disciples about being faithful. Now, and about faith, because he ends up saying, when the Son of Man comes, we'll even find faith on the earth. Now, the Bible says in Romans 1 that he takes us from faith to faith. So this is what it means. It means that the faith that you start out with is not enough to take you all the way to the end. Right? The faith that gets you saved is great. But you need faith to grow. You need faith to give. You need faith to persevere. Right? You're going to have to go from faith to faith. Your faith needs to keep on growing. Right? And let me just tell you, one of the great places to keep your faith growing is get in a good church that's preaching faith. But Jesus is telling us, you know, we need to be strong in prayer. And he said this parable to him. He says, you should pray and not lose heart or don't quit, don't give up. He said there was a certain, in a certain city a judge who neither feared God nor regarded man. There was a woman in that city, a widow. And she came to him saying, get justice from me from my adversary. But he would not for a while. But afterwards he said to himself, though I don't fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, least by her continual coming she wear me out. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out to him day and, day and night to him, though he bear long with him? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Jesus is saying when it comes to prayer, don't quit. Keep praying Keep praying, keep praying, keep on fighting in prayer. It's in Ephesians chapter 6, speaking to Christians, New Testament Christians, this is what it says. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And unfortunately, that's all the farther most Christians read the verse. And they said, that's it, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I want Doritos, Dr. Pepper, a sofa, and a remote. <laughs> and we just want to sit down. But the Bible isn't telling us that Christianity is not a fight. It's saying we don't fly, fight against people in flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against despotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly supernatural realm. It's telling us we do have an enemy. Peter said, your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in faith. It's, what the Bible is telling us is there is a spiritual battle. And Jesus said, keep going, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Now, it's not that you're twisting God's arm, but there is a spiritual war taking place in the heavenlies. And we need to, as, as men and women of prayer and of faith, we need to be in this for the long haul. Right? Keep, keep praying, keep believing, keep talking your faith. You know, I believe your faith can move mountains, but I believe that your faith can create mountains too. 
you know, through, through, the, through the negativity that can come out of our mouths. You know, the Bible tells us about Elijah. He came to the king, Ahab, and he said, there will be no rain, no dew for these years until I say so. King thought he was crazy. He walked out, and for the next three and a half years, no rain and no dew. And you talk about changing the economy of a nation. And finally, the prophet comes, and he shows himself to the king, and he says, we're going to have a contest. We're going to Mark Carmel. You bring all your 450 prophets of Baal, have them make an altar, put a sacrifice on it, but no fire, and let them pray. And then I'm going to make an altar, put a sacrifice on it, no fire, and I'm going to pray. And the God who answers by fire, he's God. You know the story of the 450 prophets. They spent eight hours. They're screaming. They're dancing. They're cutting themselves. Nothing happens. The prophet prays instantly. Fire falls from heaven. And then he said to the king, he said, get in your chariot. He said, because I hear the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. He put his face between his knees, and he said to his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. So he went up, and he looked, and he said, there's nothing. And seven times he said, go again. And then he, and it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot. And go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind. And there was heavy rain. So Ahab rode his chariot and went to Jezreel. You know what? He didn't quit one time. He didn't quit twice. And, and, and that number seven, it's significant. It, 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 biblically, it means the number of perfect fulfillment. What do you do? You pray till the answer comes. Keep praying, keep praying. Prevailing prayer is having the tenacity to hold on until something happens. Whether it takes seven minutes, seven weeks, seven months, seven years, or 77 years, keep on holding on. The fastest animal on earth is the cheetah, the African cheetah. They have been clocked at speeds of 70 miles an hour. That's fast. Now, there's one problem. The cheetah has a very small heart, and it can't run for very long. So unless it catches its prey right away, it won't last. And a lot of Christians are like cheetahs. Right? They'll begin, they'll start, they'll put a lot of effort into prayer for a short period of time, but if they don't see an answer immediately, they just quit. Right? But we've got to have the heart of an eagle. It says, those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. And they will run and they will not be weary. We have got to stick with prayer. Don't give up. Keep moving ahead. Keep on believing God. Now it says in Proverbs 29, it says, where there's no vision, the people cast off restraint. When you do not have a vision, when you don't have a dream, when you don't know your purpose, Anything looks good. Any place looks good. We end up like, like Charlie Brown on peanuts. He takes his bow and arrow. He shoots. Doom! Arrow hits, hits a, a wall. He goes over and paints a bullseye around the arrow. Right? And that's what a lot of Christians are like. That They don't know where they're going. Any place seems right. And when you don't have a vision, you'll cast off restraint. That means what happens when you have a vision... It eliminates all the other options, all right? It, it focuses your energy. It focuses your finances. It focuses your time. 
when you've got the vision. But without a vision, you end up wasting your finances, wasting your time, literally wasting your life. Now, here's something about vision I want you to remember. Vision leaks. It leaks, literally, right? You, you start out in the beginning, and that vision is burning. But here's what happens as you begin to move towards that, that vision. Stuff happens. Debris, rubbish, discouragement. In fact, Nehemiah went to the city of Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. He assesses the situation. He gets the people together. Everybody gets motivated to build the walls, right? And they start building the wall. And the Bible says they get to the halfway point, and the people become discouraged because of the debris and because of the rubbish. And any time you're moving towards your vision, towards your purpose, towards your destiny, there's going to be debris, there's going to be rubbish. And so what he had to do, it took him 52 days to build the wall, 26 days in. He had to totally recast the vision. He had to re-motivate, re re-energize everybody. Right? And what we need to do is we need to stay with people and places that keep that vision before us and keep us motivated. It's like that torch race. You've got to finish the race with your torch burning bright. And for that to happen, you've got to protect that torch. And you've got to get into places that keep that torch fueled. In Habakkuk, God said this to the, to the man of God. He said, write the vision, make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. At the end it will speak, and it will not lie, though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Again, the Bible's saying, God puts a vision in your heart, and, and it may not happen right away. We, 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 are, we are so into instant, we have instant everything, right? We want it, we, we want it now, right? But, but that's not how life happens. David, for example, is 14 or 15 years old when Samuel comes and anoints him king. What happened? Nothing. He went back and took care of some sheep. A few years later, Goliath shows up. He kills Goliath, ends up being an officer in the army. Then for 10 years, he ends up running away from King Saul. Then for seven years, he's king, but only of Judah. And then finally, about 22 years after he was anointed king, he becomes king of all of Israel. It didn't happen in a day. Joseph has a dream when he's 17 years old. Didn't work out too well. He gets thrown in a pit, sold as a slave. Then he gets lied about and thrown into a dungeon. It was 22 years before. He's, 30, he's 39 years old when that dream began to come to pass. And his brothers came and they bowed down in front of him. Uh, I, I remember this church. Somebody says, are, are you surprised at the size of the church? I'm just surprised it took so long. Right? We, we, we always think we can do more in a short period of time, and we underestimate what we can do over a long period of time. Another very interesting thing about Joseph, Joseph ends up interpreting Pharaoh's dream. And Pharaoh's dreams is going to be seven years of plenty, seven years of famine, famine first, then plenty. And so Joseph says, you need to gather food in the abundant years so that there'll be food for the people in the starving years. Gather it, store it in special cities. He says, take 20% of what everybody gets and store that for the time of famine. And the king says, well, who's better to do this than Joseph? So here's what happened. Joseph had a dream. But for his dream to come to pass, he had to work on Pharaoh's dream. Did you get that? Almost always, dreams are interconnected. God's purpose 
is interconnected. All right? And we, we think, well, I'm just going to take care of me. No, you're probably going to end up working at part of somebody else's dream. And as you do, your dream is going to come to pass. All right? And your vision, that dream, it's your future. Right? If, you, if you will cultivate it, you will protect it, you will work on it, that dream is your future. And be specific. You know, when you're talking to God, God said, write it down, write it down. Be specific. All right? Nothing is dynamic until it's specific. If I just say to Jeannie, we're going to take a vacation, she'll just figure out, oh, again, probably just going to go yep, you know, to the cabin or something. But if I say to Jeannie, Jeannie, we're going to take a vacation to Alaska, a cruise. <laughs> And we're going to eat midnight buffet. We're going to go fish for halibut in Homer, the halibut capital of the world. We're going to go well watching. We're going to walk up a glacier. All of a sudden, she's packing. Right? When, when, when it gets specific, it becomes dynamic. Right? And personalize it. You need to see yourself there. And he, David had people even helping him. Someday, you're going to be king. You're going to be king. You need to see yourself. See, see the benefits. See what you'll be able to accomplish. Imagine what it's going to feel like. See how you're going to have a part in blessing and helping other people. right? And you need to buy into today's sacrifice to receive tomorrow's benefits. Because there's always sacrifice to accomplish the dream. And again, if you don't have a dream, the Bible says God will give you the desires of your heart. It's not a car. It's not a boat. It's not a house. God will put a purpose. He will reveal to you your purpose. God told the children of Israel, there's a promised land for you, a land flowing with milk and honey. And there is a promised land for you, a land of milk and honey, a land of abundance and sweet victory. God has that for you. Now, as you've been watching today, you realize in your heart, I'm not right with God. I'm away from the Lord. Or maybe you don't, you have no idea where you stand with God. And you say, but I want to be forgiven. I want to be right with God. I want to invite you, bow your head, pray this prayer with me, pray this out loud, make these words your own. Say this from your heart, just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again, and I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm holding nothing back. I'm going to live for him every day. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven, that you make me a new person on the inside, a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, congratulations on making one of the best decisions of your life. A pastor wrote this book called Your New Life, and we would love to get you a free copy. There are all types of answers to questions you might have, like the importance of being part of a local church, water baptisms, and just the Word of God in general. So you can go to walkingbyfaith.tv and request a copy of this to be mailed to you, or you can download it right there. Either way, this is absolutely free. When you check out walkingbyfaith.tv, you can also purchase a copy of today's message, Keeping the Faith, in the WBF store. If this ministry is feeding you and blessing you spiritually, consider becoming a partner and helping us to spread the word across the globe. You can do that by going to walkingbyfaith.tv give and just clicking on the option that works best for you. So get out there and encourage your friends. And as always, we would love to pray with you or answer any questions that you might have. So give us a call or go online, hit us up via Facebook or email. Either way, we'd love to hear from you. So have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time.